0: Humboldt Last Week. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Humboldt Last Week is a podcast created so you can hear some of the highlights from Humboldt's Last Week while you do stuff. My name is Miles Cochran. I'm a former local radio personality, music director, and news reporter here. This is available where you get podcasts. If you like it, please let a local know. You can listen and connect at HumboldtLastWeek.com. Check out the Humboldt Last Week Facebook for episode updates and local content. Remember, sometimes you'll encounter explicit content here. And a short thank you to the podcast partners this week. They helped make this thing possible. That's Ferndale Music Company with Chris Thomas King playing at the Old Steeple March 1st. Bongo Boy Studio. Record your masterpiece. Find them at bongoboystudio.com. Arise Miranda, Certified Massage Therapist. Find her at humblesoapcompany.com And Los Bagels. Ship bagels to yourself or friends at LosBagels.com. So about this shooting briefly mentioned in last week's episode, a 33-year-old woman was allegedly shot and killed by her younger brother behind the Mini Mart and gas station in Hoopa. Her name was Angel. On her Facebook page, she described herself as a single native mother. Her younger brother, this suspect, 30-year-old Antoine Aubrey, is not on her friends list on Facebook. According to Loco, he pleaded not guilty to murder and being a felon with a gun. Their family reportedly has a sad and brutal history with other violent deaths. Netflix is shooting something about Humboldt. Kim Kemp chatted with the sheriff's office. They told her, quote, they're doing a ride along, talking with us about a lot of things, missing people, the marijuana industry, and what the sheriff's office is doing specifically in southern Humboldt. Looks like a reader by the name of Annick saw the crew focusing on an abandoned car instead of the stunning scenery nearby. Mm. Apparently sometime next year, we'll be able to see what Netflix thinks about us. Ah, this mystery cabin. Something popped up on the internet again about that now-vanished cabin that the Mad River Union reported on a couple years ago in a deep-in-the-woods section of the Arcata Community Forest. Cabin was basically a well-constructed mini-house that was furnished. Really cool. Kind of hard to see unless you were like 12 feet away. And strange, when this person took it down, they seriously left no trace except for a symbol burned into the ground, the International Squatter symbol. <laughs> Very modern folklore. A video about that popped up on Reddit last week with a narrator pronouncing Arcata Arcata. And they uh, did not credit the union, punks. Looks like the uh, video was taken down, though. Well, yeah, you and I have heard of King Kong. This guy was definitely Peasant Kong. Remember a while back hearing about a guy who allegedly tried and failed miserably to rob a market in Cutten in a gorilla mask? Mr. Furious George used mace on the clerk, but was rumored to get his ass handed to him before taking off with nothing his tail between his legs. Suspect was finally arrested after running from cops twice. No more monkey business from him. Did you hear about this old granny allegedly selling meth from her retirement home in Fortuna? Yeah, her husband's Walter Whitehair. No, she's 79 years old, one grand with three grams. If she was trying to be a big player, she was breaking bad at it. Now, when looking through this apartment, the cops found meth, scales, and packaging materials. They also returned an oxygen tank, thinking that was part of her lab. Okay, maybe not that last part. The police in Eureka nabbed a guy for attempted murder stemming from a stabbing. According to Chief Watson on Facebook, the guy also had meth and needles in this photo. Suspect is in anguish. Maybe you saw this. His mouth is wide open. Looks like it's about as wide as Fern Canyon. Quote from Chief Watson's post. He's one of Eureka's serial crooks, and our community is safer with him behind bars. And speaking of Fern Canyon, you're probably like, why did he say that? Amazing place. Uh, Only in your state had a nice little post about Fern Canyon talking about the shortest and sweetest hike in Northern California. They wrote, it's so stunning that it looks like a setting from some sort of fairy tale. Yep, you know it with those walls of foliage covering those towering canyon walls. Glad the uh, post had this nice reminder to bring waterproof shoes if you head out there since it's uh, easier to walk in the water on the canyon floor than it is to kind of try to avoid it or slip like some do. Yeah, Fern Canyon, beautiful oasis. You know how to get there. Just a little north of Warwick. Take Davison Road for about 10 miles toward the coast. Then you'll see the head of the one-mile trail. A huge thank you goes out to a couple podcast partners, Ferndale Music Company and Bongo Boy Studio. With Ferndale Music Company, check out Chris Thomas King playing at the Old Steeple March first.
1: Oh, oh, oh.
0: He was chosen by the Cohen Brothers to be an "O oh Brother, Where Art Thou" with George Clooney, an authentic folk blues artist who sold millions of records and won numerous awards. That's Chris Thomas King at the Old Steeple March first. Tickets at FerndaleMusicCompany.com. And Bongo Boy Studio local band Kingfoot has, of course, recorded there for years.
1: Just can't tell. Come a Come a Come a
0: they unfortunately had to cancel a recent gig at Redwood Curtain because their singer Joe was sick with the flu. So they wanted to apologize to the venue and to those that showed up for that. Feel better, Joe. And yeah, we can look into where his band Kingfoot has been recording at bongoboysstudio.com. Pupper police powers. Maybe you saw the cops in Eureka were working to nab a guy who was allegedly ducking him. He had a felony warrant. Dude ran into a green belt, and they were pretty much like, we're going to send the German shepherd out to get you. So, yeah, he promptly came on out, and they busted him with heroin. Guy said, Scooby, don't. <laughs> Dog goes by the name Tovin. Now nah, the pupper's name is Vex. Good job, Vex, in Officers. Uh, News here related to these three suspects that remain accused of luring a young man out to Manila last winter, carjacking him, and shooting him to death. Just a refresher, one suspect indicated the motive for the killing was the molestation of a little girl, something that was investigated but never legally proven. A suspect also said the intent was a beatdown and not a murder. Remember hearing about how the accused shooter, the father of this little girl, was also accused of having meth in jail? According to Loco, a judge ruled there was not enough evidence for the meth charge. They couldn't prove he had enough usable meth on a slip of paper that tested positive for the stimulant. But yeah, I'll let you know when there's updates on those accused murderers. Possibly some good news here for air travelers. In addition to Humboldt's new flight to Los Angeles starting up this summer, Crescent City is looking to start up an Oakland flight in mid-April. That's according to the triplicate. I mean... Driving up to Crescent City from here and then flying to the bay. You're probably only saving about an hour, but... Contour Airlines CEO told North Coast News it's safe to say round-trip prices will be under $100. Meanwhile, at our airport, they're putting up a whole bunch of solar panels. Grants are helping with the funding, and it looks like it'll result in jobs for electricians and techs, as well as save some energy dollars. Really cool. Press release came from HSU and Arcata. Maybe whoever wrote it was wearing solar flannel. You hear about this scuffle at a hotel in Garberville? One of the guys involved called the cops. There were apparently a couple injuries. It was initially reported as a shooting, but that didn't happen. Turns out, as Kim Kemp found out, one of the guys was a wanted sex trafficker from out of town. While being taken into custody, he took off on foot. But shortly after that, the sheriff's office and CHP eventually got him. Wild one. Definitely a shame hearing about that body found by a hiker near Petrolia. I'm sure there will be updates on that soon. Also, another body was found at Centerville Beach, about a quarter mile from the mouth of the Eel River. Two bodies, it's really sad. Maybe you saw history was made and then downplayed by the man who did it, Loco posted an article about how HSU's new interim head football coach is the first African-American head coach in any sport at the school in 91 years. DeMero Wheeler said, quote, I'm a coach that just happens to be African-American. I'm not concerned about what has or hasn't happened in the past as far as hiring. Wheeler will be applying to be the official head coach at HSU. Down with McKinley, says the Arcata City Council. Council voted to remove the statue of assassinated President William McKinley, which has sat in the middle of the plaza for over a hundred years. You could say he's McKinlevin'. Some believe the statue represented racism, imperialism, and stealing indigenous land. The Wiat tribe supported the statue's removal. Thing was a gift. It survived a mega earthquake in the Bay Area in the early 1900s, and removing it will reportedly cost dozens of thousands of dollars. It weighs 26 tons. The Arcata City Council had a few options. Keep it. Take it down we leave this up to voters, which had its own costs. According to the Mad River Union, the Arcata City Council voted to take it down 4 to 1. They also voted unanimously to remove a nearby plaque that refers to, quote, Indian troubles. Now, when it comes to paying for the statue's removal, I saw a former Arcata mayor thinking there will be legal scrutiny for that. Though I saw Arcata's release saying that at least one community member has committed to raising the funds. Judging by that release on the removal process, I'd estimate we're 8 months to a year from the actual nixing from the plaza there's a facebook page opposing the statue removal it's called save Arcata's historic mckinley statue at this recording it has over 60 likes quote from the page removing the statue is an attack on the heritage of our community it should be decided by a vote of the people of Arcata, not for council members The most popular social media comment opposing the decision came from Corky, who wrote The city of Arcata has a homeless problem, drug problem, lack of manpower and law enforcement, lack of housing for students attending HSU, infrastructure decaying, a rising crime rate, and the city council's worried about a statue? Only in California does the word insanity define government. And the most popular social media comment in favor of this came from Colin, who wrote, If y'all don't like it, you should have voiced your opinion at the council meeting. The majority of the community members present were in support of removing it, as per the Wiat tribe's wishes. This was their land before we stole it and sold them into slavery. The least we could do is remove a statue of a man who sold 90 million acres of their land to white settlers. I hope the tribe chooses something beautiful to replace it with. And real quick, another thank you to a couple more podcast partners, Aris Miranda and Los Bagels. Arise Miranda is a certified massage therapist with over two decades of experience. Each session is custom to your needs. Massage has so many health benefits, and Aris offers a variety of styles, and you can get 10 bucks off the first session. Check out Aris's new mini spa on 7th Street in Eureka. More details at HumboldtSoapCompany.com. And since 1984, Los Bagels has been pleasing the world's taste buds with boiled and baked organic bagels. cucumber, bacon scram, whatever your flavor, they have it for you. Or ship bagels to yourself or friends at losbagels.com.
2: All right, the Europe to Humboldt Cannabis Connection. Award-winning journalists from Europe recently delved into how Eastern Europeans are enticing large numbers to come work on Humboldt Marijuana Farms. Kim Kemp shared this article by Balkan Insight. Uh, she was even interviewed for it. Basically, folks over there are hearing sweet tales of riches earned here. Employers providing food and accommodations. Trimmers bringing in 500 bucks a day. Fields of gold. Seems to be an unavoidable topic in Eastern Europe. There's even enticing videos selling the dream. And you know, maybe uh, some people have done this well in the past. You know, others not so much. We all know it's getting harder out there with legalization, and here to chat about this is Balkan Insights interview subject herself, Kim Kemp. Thank you so much for your time, Kim.
1: All right. Hi, Miles.
2: Hi. So what uh, what did you think
1: of this article? I thought it was really fascinating. I, You know, not every time when I read a marijuana article I'm, do I find out anything new. It seems like very rare anymore, but when I read that, I felt like I got a whole new perspective from the cannabis business, from, you know, like other people looking at us and how it looks to people in Eastern Europe.
2: Yeah, you know, and I think your quotes came across great because it was like translated from and then back to English. I thought your quotes were great.
1: Uh, I thought they were hysterical because I was like, I would never say that, what the heck? And then I started realizing it sounded like it had been translated from another language and then then I knew. Right, right.
2: Well, you know, Eastern Europeans, they're hearing about the quote, fields of gold. I brought that up. A lot of people uh, over there are facing tough times economically what do you think are some of the tough lessons they're learning when they get here?
1: Well, I don't know for sure, but certainly I think $500 a day being made while trimming seems like a thing way in the past. I don't know anyone who is making that kind of money, trimming.
2: Right. And even though the amount is less, in this article, you, there's a senior police investigator who wants to move his family here. There's doctors and lawyers.
1: I know. So. The doctors, couldn't we just get them to move here to be doctors? Can we work on that? We need more <laughs> medical care.
2: Well, we're almost a couple months into legal recreational cannabis. You know, what changes have you noticed in, say, the price per pound, you know, and the amount of competition out there?
1: Well, the price per pound is about the same as, the end of last year um people are not getting the prices that you know they did a couple years ago but they seem what i am aware of to be similar to what was last towards the end of last year the same prices uh, the um, depths are getting the same price the indoor is getting the same price the outdoors getting the same price anywhere ranging from 500 outdoors is the one i usually hear most about the outdoors getting anywhere from um 500 to even in some really good cases, 1200 a pound.
2: So I wonder why that is because you know you have this date where the legal recreational sales start, um, and you know there's not much change from year to year. I wonder why that is.
1: Oh, you mean the prices? Why did the prices stay the same? Yeah. Um, Actually, there's um, to tell you the truth, I don't know, but some speculation. Okay, so it seems to me that dispensaries that could kind of walk the gray market before—they could say, um, "Oh, we're we're doing legal sales. You got to have a 215 to buy from us." Could buy from black market growers without having to go through all the processes. Somebody could show up with a um, duffel bag and sell their stuff to the dispensary. Now, because of the new track and trace program, which isn't fully implemented yet, but they're definitely moving that way. Um, I'm talking to um, farmer groups, co-ops, that are saying, hey, when last year we couldn't get those guys to talk to us, this year they're calling us. Um, so the dispensaries, the, the, the retail market is reaching out to the uh, white market farmers more mm. than they have in the past. So the prices, that has helped stabilize the price a little bit. Then uh, there's still a huge market for, um, you know, the black market. It's still taking a lot of marijuana. You know, there's a feeling that things are starting to stabilize a little bit. Before, people were just putting in new greenhouse after new greenhouse, and more and more cannabis was being grown. Um, this year, I only know of one new greenhouse. That's not to say that there aren't more, but I only know of one more, which is certainly not been the case in the past. So, so growth, growth is, is kind a, of plateaued. Yeah, that's what I would say. Is growth is, is and and I know of people who pulled out of the market too. So yeah, if if, if anything, um, growth may have even dropped back a bit.
2: Well, I'm sure you recently saw you know, a number of mom and pop growers showed up to a Humboldt County Board of Supervisors meeting. They voiced concerns about taxes and fees. You're sucking us dry, was what they said.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what are your thoughts on all that?
1: Yeah, I was at the meeting. And, you know, many of those were people that I knew personally. To see people in comment sections, you know, talking about them being big, greedy growers, that's not my experience of those people. Many of those people are, you know, volunteer fire people. They're, um, you know, working in their local schools. They're not the sort of people that I would characterize as big, greedy people. I I would characterize them as the backbone of the community, the ones that make things work. Um, and, and I know, I mean, many of the people who spoke were people I knew personally, and um, they would be people that I would depend on to have my back, and have depended on to have my back. Like when my son was injured in a, an accident, some of them were some of the people who helped me. Um, and they are not people that I would characterize as big greedy growers. I would instead say those are. If they're saying they feeling sucked dry, then we as a community need to listen to them because. Economically, I do not think that much of northern Humboldt, or I should say that the cities of Humboldt recognize how much of the money of Humboldt comes from the growers, the farmers, the cultivators.
2: Right now they're taxed per square foot of the operation. And, you know, I heard uh, Mike Wilson on KINF, he was saying growers kind of want something more based on production. Do you think that would help?
1: Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, What happens if a farmer gets really, really ill and cannot grow that year? If they can't grow that year and they're still being taxed, in some cases, for instance, in the case of a greenhouse, it's taxed at $3 per square foot. And if they have the the, uh, 10,000 square feet, which is a a larger one, don't get me wrong, but if they have 10,000 square feet and then they're taxed at $3 per square foot, that's $30,000, and they didn't grow. They didn't get any money. And if they can't sell, you know, right now in a market that um, people are having trouble, they're, they're actually talking about marijuana like it's weed, like literally weed, um, you know, if we can't sell it, then we might as well just throw it out. Then if they are, are responsible for a tax on top of that, that's pretty frightening for people.
2: So taking another look at the taxes and then also taking another look at the fees too because it seems like, you know, if there's any wiggle room with the county, it would be with some of these regulatory fees. Does that seem about Right.
1: You know, I'm not an expert on this, but for me it does seem like that some of the fees seem really expensive. For instance, um, a, a business license for a regular um, person, I can't remember exactly, but like uh, for a red-headed black belt it seems to me like it's like $50 for my business license. Whereas a cannabis business license is like 400 and something dollars, 403 I think or something like that. That's uh-huh. a big difference. Um, and and I'm seeing it across the board that fees that, like, a rancher would pay are not the same things that a cannabis store would pay, and that just seems punitive, actually. Like, when you're figuring that you're trying to get this basic backbone, economic backbone of our community to survive and continue to, to provide taxes so that we can continue forward with this, it seems like the wrong way to go. You should be encouraging them. And then maybe as you discover that, yeah, they do have a little wiggle room, then you could add more fees and stuff in. But at the, at this point when they're just – honestly, I know some growers who have just crawled into bed and put those covers over their head and just said, I, I don't even know what to do. I'm just depressed.
2: You know, I think when about, what, 60% of Humboldt voters said yes to legalization, you know, a lot of that 60%, they're thinking this could mean – less environmental damage, you know, less chemicals killing animals, less yeah. water diversions, less cartel activity, you know, and some of them probably just thought, fuck it, I want to buy this at the store. But uh, regarding that other stuff, you know, do you think that's happening?
1: Um, I think it will happen. I think that we have to understand. I, I don't remember. I think it was Mike Wilson that said we're – building the plane as we're flying it. I don't remember who was it that said that, but that is exactly what's happening, and I think we have to be understanding that both the growers and the Humboldt County planners are in that same position. Everybody's building this plane as they're flying it, and, you know, that's kind of a precarious thing to be doing. We're all trying to make it work, and, um, yeah, some, there's some things that aren't working, and we all need to try and adjust.
2: That might have been McGuire, right? It's either Wilson or McGuire. Oh,
1: maybe sure. it was Wilson. I don't remember who said it, honestly. Whoever said it, it was. It stuck in my mind. as, oh, wow, that really distracted what we're doing here.
2: Yeah, no, it's a good analogy. Well, what about law enforcement? You know, what do you think their top challenges have been? You know, enforcing Prop sixty-four so far for both, you know, producers and consumers.
1: I think their challenge has been the same for the last fifteen, twenty years, which is. What is legal and what isn't legal? Just give them some sort of solid ground to stand on so they're not constantly having to, you know, we know what's legal or illegal if you, you hit someone or, you know, those kind of things are, are very clear. They know what they're supposed to do in those circumstances. But if you're transporting marijuana and you have a 215 or in this or even now when you, you have some recreational, well, what exactly is okay and what isn't okay and, and and was it okay before January first, and now it's not? And now it isn't okay. It's just—it's so confusing. I don't know what all the rules are. Yeah,
2: like you can employ eighteen-year-olds in one profession, but not this one.
1: Yeah, for that's one of the stories and uh, our press releases I put out today is a, a local Humboldt guy. I think they even volunteered for him. I'm not exactly sure um, to transport what he thought was legal to do down to the Emerald Top, and then. The people get stopped and then he has to you know he 14 days in jail and community service and dig fines for having underage people working in there and, and and you know they were 19 or 20 years old i don't remember the exact age but it was you know a frustrating experience for him and and at the same time you know i think um law enforcement rightfully feels well you know we really want to make sure that this does not edge down into our youth so we it's, in an uncomfortable situation where people are trying to figure out the rules.
2: Yeah, more of this building the plane as we fly in it. I figured <laughs> uh, I'd check in with you about this as well, a uh, controversial rezoning project between Arcata and Blue Lake along the Mad River.
1: Oh, the uh, Mercer-Fraser one?
2: Yeah, you know, the Planning Commission wants this zoned for a big old hash lab uh, along with Mercer-Fraser and then some local communities in the water border are opposed to that out of concern for drinking water. So what do you think about all that?
1: Well first, I have to say, I haven't studied it. No understanding deeply of. Surface-wise, if they follow all the rules that anyone else would follow in that same place, I would think that they would be less likely to cause a problem than many other things. I know hash lab sounds really terrible because we're used to those terrible things blowing up, but Mercer Fraser would be following some very strict rules. Now, I'm, this does not mean in any way that I have studied this and know the ins and outs of it. I don't. I don't, and I don't want to take a huge position on it. I just want to say if if they're following the, the rules that any other industry would in that position, I would think that they would be, tend to be on the safer side because while hash labs sound bad and I do not like the ones that explode in people's neighborhoods, that's not what's going to happen in a um, an industrial setting. It's They're going to have all sorts of rooms that are set up with special fans, and you have to follow all the, you know, things that the planning department will set up for them ahead of time.
2: One of the things I heard about that, you know, it's like Mercer Fraser is saying, you know, this is more of the same for that area. You know, anything they do is going to be permitted and lawful and reviewed, and like you said, you know, there's a lot of checks and balances to that. Uh, One thing that I did hear, though, is that, you know, since it's, Maybe potentially going to be rezoned heavy industrial or something like that. That people are wondering, okay, well, it's a hash lab now, but what if they decide to change their mind and do something else that fits that description? I don't know, you know, a ton about it either, but it's definitely something to follow.
1: Yeah, it is. It's one of those stories. There's so many, we live in interesting times. What is that Chinese proverb? May you live in interesting times. We live in interesting times right now in the cannabis. But, but this, what is happening in Humboldt County is cutting edge. And it is, you know, incredibly exciting and incredibly terrifying at the same time. Can we, can we walk that line and make it into a healthy new world? Or are we going to collapse into, I don't know, I don't want to get too dramatic, but mass madness? You know? Okay, I'll a little dramatic.
2: Yeah. Well, we've talked about how tough it's been. Definitely. You know, I think we touched on that. I mean, what do you feel like, you know, some of the upsides to legalization have been so far?
1: Oh, upsides to legalization? People proudly saying, I am a farmer. You know, that is that is tremendous. I mean, I know many people who are farmers who aren't proudly saying it yet, but they're, they're edging. The, the conversation in grocery stores and gas stations and stuff is much less guarded than it used to be. People are just talking more openly about their strains. So... People are actually, uh, just 10 years ago, everything was Humboldt Mudbud. It was all just any strain thrown together, and it was all generic flavoring. Nobody knew what they were going to get from one time to another. So now a patient or a, a consumer can go in there and say, I want something fruity or I want something skunky or I want something fuely. And they can get those nuances that ha- instead of uh, ending up with a headache or paranoia, they can get the one that just fits them and makes them happy and enjoy themselves. I mean, right there, that's huge. Other pluses are, you know, minorities are not being sent to jail in large amounts for, you know, having small amounts of cannabis. Those are huge.
2: Definitely major upsides, And another upside is chatting with you, Kim. It's always a pleasure. Um, is there anything else you want to mention?
1: Mm, I can't. Think of anything off the top yeah I, I think i want to reiterate i do not think that many people in humboldt county recognize how intensely we have relied on the cannabis industry for our economic well-being um we tend to think of it in the millions of dollars and it's in the billions of dollars in our county and it has flowed, even though people say, oh, you don't pay taxes or whatever, well, many people do pay taxes. All the taxes that stay in the county, like property taxes and sales taxes, those things are directly related to the cannabis industry. Property taxes will not be so high if the cannabis industry is not healthy. Uh, sales taxes will not, we will not sell as much groceries. We will not sell as much gas. Um, one gas station down here told one of my freelance workers that their um, business was down 30%. And so if we can't figure out how to bring our cannabis industry along in a healthy way, we are going to see the impact across the county.
2: We're going to follow it with you on Redheaded Black Belt. Thanks again, Kim, for your time, your expertise, and for distributing Humboldt last week, by the way.
1: (laughs) Thanks for being there. I love your stuff.
2: I love yours. Talk to you again soon, Kim.
1: All right, thanks, man.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening to Humboldt Last Week. My name is Miles Cochran. I'm a former local radio personality and reporter. You can head over to HumboldtLastWeek.com to listen and connect. Also, you can check out HumboldtLastWeek.com for new music. Right now, there you'll find a fresh new playlist including Novo Amor and Ed Tullet, Tash Sultana, and Prilo. Again, that playlist is at HumboldtLastWeek.com. Just click on new music. Please do let me know if you have any constructive feedback or positive comments. That makes the podcast better. The big ol' congratulations goes out to Bo, Monica, and Brittany on winning Humboldt Last Week t-shirts on the Humboldt Last Week Facebook page last week. Head on over there for giveaways like that. Did get a question about the logo. The upside-down redwood symbolizes looking back on the last week here. Plus, it has the added benefit of looking like a heart because... We love Humboldt. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. Have a good one.
1: Humble. Black week.